find the baller. My life is more than money and money. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and journey. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home at last. Behind the baller. Yo, 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 yo. You are listening to the greatest podcast in the entire universe. Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached a milestone on BTB. This is episode 150 of the award-winning, chart-topping, Behind the Baller podcast, produced by the world-famous, the greatest, the Dust Brothers. Yo, I am your host. forgot to say, yo, I am your host. Ben Baller, not Ben Humble, also known as what? The Korean John Cusack. Yo, guys, we got a special episode today. Things that I'm going to talk about on this show is Trump gets impeached again. One of my best friends gets COVID. The Tiger Woods documentary. I got an NBA Jam one-up arcade machine. Shout out to Taylor Brooks. RV Life, the city of Downey. James Harden gets traded to the Nets. Big announcement this weekend from Tops. And of course, my NFL picks. Don't forget that mybookie.ag is the shit. Miles, Jordan, let's fucking go. So, Dick Stain got impeached, um, not once now, but twice. And there's all little things here. Is the first and president to do this and that? Is the first president get impeached twice, whatever? Look, really, you know, people thought I'd go super ham and all that shit today. I, shit don't matter. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it sucks for him. It's, it's He's a dumb fuck and he's not on Twitter and he's banned from everywhere. And there's not much he could fucking do. But he hasn't been removed from office. So, like, it's just fucking stupid. I hate that word impeach. It's just fucking dumb. But, you know, now the Senate has to convict him. You know, a lot of people really don't think he's going to jail. Look, a lot of people didn't think he was going to get banned from Twitter and get banned from everything. I I thought he was. A lot of people didn't think he really did anything wrong. And um, I'm wondering what the fuck is wrong with a lot of those people, right? So, I really do think once he gets out of office, I think he's going to do some time. I think he's going to get arrested. I don't know what the fuck's going to happen, but it ain't over yet. Uh, news sources, uh, law enforcement, all types of people are saying that next week for the inauguration, it is going to be crazy at every single state capitol in all 50 states, especially in D.C. So, look, I don't know if you've been watching the news and you see all these fucking military motherfuckers that are inside the White House, the Capitol, everywhere. They're sleeping there. There's motherfuckers there with... M16s and fucking, you know, they're ready. So I hope, I hope every single fucking racist, proud boy, KKK, Trump supporter goes to DC and gets fucking smoked. I hope all the motherfuckers get gassed up. Okay. You'd be a stupid fucking idiot to go anywhere when now they, you gave them fucking forewarning. Like, come on, man. Like, I don't know. I mean, 
It's going to be an interesting day next Wednesday, the 20th. I don't know what's going to happen. Does Biden walk down with security? I mean, this is a fucking shit show. All I know is, look, Trump, you lost and then you went insane. Per inside reports, fuck what Geraldo Rivera said. I know from inside reports, I think you guys have a good idea. I'm not going to say, I'm just saying. They said once he lost, he went crazy, right? But when he lost three times, he wasn't even crazy. But when he got banned from Twitter, inside sources have told me that he went literally insane. Like he fucking exploded and went crazy, okay? And you know what? Boo fucking who? Nobody gives a shit, bro. You're done. That's it. And for fucking uh, James Comey, the fucking former FBI fucking head, talking about that Biden should pardon him or what? Like, and this country should heal. What the fuck are you talking about? We can heal better with that cocksucker behind bars. That should show people that we're doing better and for the greater good of mankind. All right. Anyways, fuck Trump. All that shit is. I can't wait to stop talking about all that shit. That is done. Anyways. One of my best friends got COVID and uh, apparently he got it a few days ago. He didn't know it was COVID, had a sore throat, thought it was strep throat. He had a little bit of fever, thought it was a cold, got tested, found that it was. Now, there's reasons why I'm a little worried for him because, now, you know, I think he'll be all right, but there's other circumstances I'm kind of curious about, but like, I'm, I'm sorry, that I'm a little concerned about. One thing that bugs me is still... 10, 11 months later, the lack of information that people still don't have. And look, yeah, you could talk about the 88, 98, 99% survival rate. But what you need to talk about is the fact that if you have it, don't go anywhere. If you have no symptoms, don't go anywhere. Do you know what I mean? You can still pass the shit on. You could be asymptomatic and still pass it on and have somebody who's old get it and they might not make it. So I just don't get and I don't understand that how you don't understand. You don't have to watch the fucking news. Everywhere you go, I don't care if you're in fucking Florida, you do know that the shit exists and people are wearing masks that you've never seen wearing masks. And it's not a joke. It's just dumb. So, you know, that's my boy. But, you know, like there's some bigger circumstances that I'm concerned about, like I said, that I'm worried about. So I've given him some guidance about things. But, you know, I'm just worried about it. On the better news, I went to finally pick up my RV. It had to do the 100-point inspection and go through the whole thing and everything. You know, um, it's brand new. No one's ever owned it. Super excited. I drove down to Downey, California, and uh, that's where uh, Giant RV is. By the way, Downey, California brings back some old vibes. And um, Downey's a tripped-out town, right? There's a high uh, Hispanic population there, but there's no hood, meaning there's no gang. Like, there's no gang that's based out of Downey, right? They're in Norwalk, they're in Bellflower, they're in City Industry. All, you know, not City Industry, I'm sorry. Um, but like Norwalk and, and Bellflower and stuff and everything. But Downey's good. And the crazy part is if you fuck around and just start driving around Downey in random areas, you'll fuck around and run into like a four or five million dollar house, three million dollar house. And these homes are beautiful, huge. Almost like, you know, an acre lot. Seven to 12,000 square foot homes, actual homes. Like it, they look crazy. But what the fuck is going on here? It is a bunch of cartel money, right? From the cartel. No shit. The owner of King Taco. For those of you from LA, obviously know. Um, for those who aren't Mexican, know how big fucking King Taco is. But yeah, man, Downey's dope. You know, they got the first ever McDonald's 
And the first item McDonald's is still there in Downey, right on Florence. And um, it's like super OG. If you saw that movie, The Founder, they filmed it there, obviously. And um, they still serve the fried apple pie there. Shit's pretty lit, you know. And uh, they got, obviously, uh, I forgot what the fuck this place is called. Florida. It's not Floridita. They got a bomb-ass Cuban spot because you know me, man. Fuck, I love iron beer, Inca Cola, all that shit. Just all that, you know. They got not just, uh, I know they got a Portos in, in Downey, but there's a spot right on fucking Florence. I forgot what the fuck it's called, man, but it's, it's lit. So anyways, I'm in I'm in Downey picking up the um, RV. Shout out to my boy Katz at Giant RV. And I just realized how much shit you got to pay attention to when you own an RV. Meaning, I mean, it's a house on wheels, you know, but you got to worry about the fucking the filtration, like the plumbing system, the fucking generator to make sure that shit is good. Make sure you got fucking DEF because it's a turbo diesel. What the fuck is DEF? I know a shitload about cars. Never heard DEF, right? Got to make sure you have brake fluid because you might be in a fucking area, whatever. You might got to have coolant. And even though you need those things on other cars... On this, especially, it is like super crucial you have all these things, right? You got to make sure you know how to change your black water. You got to have a surge protector for your fucking adapter if you plug in. But if you're going to go off the grid, you know, you got to worry about other things. So, you know, for the last 48 hours, I've been packing the, the fridge, getting all, you know, the clothes ready for the kids and all that stuff and getting everything we're going to cook because obviously we're probably not, I mean, I'm highly guarantee. We're not going to be eating outside food because, I mean, nowhere near. And now the fucked up part about it is, and by the way, shout out to Tom Green for giving me that app, Dirt, um, D-Y-R-T. But um, I just realized for the last two, three days, I've been searching for places to to camp. And um, all the state beaches, all the state parks are mandatory shutdown because of COVID, especially in California. So everything is shut down. There's no even like where people could go. I guess there are some reviews from like November, August, but there's nothing right now. They are shut down right now because the cases are so fucked up. So I got no choice. I just kind of find it. We got to go somewhere off the grid. So I was hoping to go up the coast, but I think we got to go the other way now towards Palm Springs, Arizona, Joshua Tree, that area. So we are excited to go. My kids are going crazy. They've been, we spent the night in the fucking RV. They're so excited having the slide out. Just Everything that goes with having an RV, it's definitely a different type of thing when you're driving something that heavy. You know, I've never ever driven actually anything that heavy on a regular basis. You know, I've driven a box truck and all that stuff for moving random things. But, um, you know, it's serious, especially you're carrying people. Um, but, yo, man, it's, I'm just so fucking excited. I can't stop thinking about it. You know what else I can't stop thinking about? This interview with Pomp. Now, I've been talking about this for so many episodes because the explosion with Bitcoin is just so crazy, but I can't really break it down the same way he could. I'm not, I don't, I'm not articulate enough to talk about it. I just know I've been around it and I know kind of enough, but I couldn't just really elaborate on how cool Bitcoin is and why it's so fucking cool. So without fucking talking shit or whatever else, we got a great interview. Yo, Miles, let's get right into that interview. But before we do, we got a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let the stress of 2020 follow you into 2021. Leave tension and muscle aches behind. Whether you're an elite athlete or just someone trying to make it through the day tension-free, use Theragun. 
my go-to percussive therapy device always. I'm making 2021 all about many things, including listening to what my body needs. This is why I'm keeping my Theragun close to me all year. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension. Using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. No joke, I take Theragun with me damn near everywhere I go. It is coming with me this weekend on my RV trip. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me, the Korean John Cusack. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting only at $199. Go to theragun.com slash baller right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash baller. Theragun.com slash baller. Yo, BTB Army, man, we got a very special guest. I've been talking about him for the last, shit, four or five episodes. I feel like I just barely reached out to him, and I just felt like in my mind he was going to do it regardless because this is my dog. But, yo, we got Pomp on Behind the Baller podcast. I don't know how to pronounce your fucking last name, but what is it, bro? (laughs) I don't know how to do it either. We'll just stick with Pomp. (laughs) Anyways, Pomp is – so, look, explain to my audience real quick – not necessarily who you are, but what you do, because I've told them that you're a Bitcoin guru and that you're a business podcaster and entrepreneur, and that's not wrong, but I'd rather you'd like kind of like elaborate, you know, like and tell you who you are. Yeah. I, I look, I build companies and I invest in them. That's pretty much it. I, uh, I spend about 50% of my time uh, doing venture capital investing um, and a lot of investing in, uh, in Bitcoin and Bitcoin related companies. And then I spend the other 50% of my time uh, building out a pretty large uh, kind of digital media business. And so those two things uh, take up all of it and it allows me to screw around on the internet and make money. How about I didn't know any of that shit? <laughs> I didn't know you were <laughs> You know, the funny thing is like, um, I'm older, but the first time I ever heard the word venture capitalist, like VC, was like right when they're in the dot com, like 19 years ago. And, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, 21 years ago. And uh, I was going to have some people uh, invest in this website I had, boom. And I was like, what the fuck is the angel money? What the fuck is VC? What the fuck is this, this, and this? And then I realized later, you know, but obviously it's, it's a common used word. And even though my podcast is a business podcast, we like, you know, I have definitely a very unorthodox way of talking about business on my show. But, um, yo, man, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Before we get into any of this shit, like, how are you doing in New York right now with the quarantine? Like, everything cool? To be honest, I left. Um, I am in uh, Miami for a couple of months, and then I'll reevaluate. But you uh, cocksucker, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> you son I mean, of look, a bitch. I, here's the deal: I stayed, uh, you know, all the way through uh, from March until uh, January of uh, 2021, and uh, it, it got depressing, man. It, yeah. it really did. About you know, 60 to 70 percent of the businesses on our street are shut down, 
And uh, the politicians, they, they've lost their minds. And so I said, look, I'm going to yeah. go find some warmer weather, uh, kind of write it out there, and then I'll reevaluate. You can't kill New York, though. But, you know, don't get that no, twisted. Never. You can't Listen, kill it. Never. It's just how long will never. it take to come back? Uh, you know, the funny thing is, I actually tell you the truth, I don't mind Cuomo. I got fucking Newsom. I'll trade you any day in the world. Yo, Newsom is the dumbest fucking person in the world. And then I got Eric Garcetti, who's the other. I, I want to fuck both them dudes up. And the crazy Listen, thing is, well, go ahead. What? They competing. That's what they're doing. They're competing for who's dumber. I, I'll tell you this. Well, I mean, I like the way that Cuomo talks. I'm sorry. That's, he's a good talker. But like the crazy part about Gavin Newsom is like uh, me being a Republican, whatever, you know, no big deal. People are like, really think that I'm like, just because I don't like Trump. That's just the only thing. And that doesn't mean... Arnold Schwarzenegger is a huge Republican. He doesn't like Trump. You know, it doesn't matter. But my friend dates his son. You know, my friend Kimberly uh, Guilfoyle, right? And she dates Donald Trump Jr. And like, um, she was married to Gavin Newsom. Yep. So, you know, I mess up. I'm like, yo, bro, can you tell Gavin to fucking kill him? She's like, what do you think? I'm like, come on, man. Like, and her brother's my boy. That's how we're friends. And, you know, her brother's like, yo, dude. I text that motherfucker daily, fuck you, the whole nine, everything. So, <laughs> by the way, he just moved to Florida. How crazy is that? My boy, Tony Guilfoyle. He moved to Florida for good. And uh, my other cousin just moved to Texas. And like, I can't really leave, bro. Like, my corporations is based in Florida. I'm Florida Corp, but I just can't leave, dog. It's a fucking, I wish, you know? Yeah, look, look it's, uh, it's one of these things where, again, I don't think you're going to kill New York. I don't think you're going to kill San Francisco or kill L.A. But I do think that they've, you know, materially hampered those cities uh, for the short term. And the big question is how long will it take to come back? Um, and, you know, if I had to guess... They're not going to come back in three to six months, but they'll be back in, you know, one to two years. And so it's just, what do you do in the meantime? Either you ride it out or, uh, or, or you go elsewhere and then come back. And it, and it sucks, you know, right? Like, I mean, someone like me or you, I mean, I'm assuming, you know, from just tweets and things like that. I mean, you know, we, we did okay for ourselves in 2020, you know, um, it was my best financial year of my entire life, which is fucked up. Right. Look, the part that a lot of people forget is, uh, you know, Everyone was worried about V-shaped recoveries, uh, L-shaped recoveries, all this nonsense. And I think the consensus is there's been a K-shaped recovery. And all these letters don't <laughs> don't mean shit, frankly. What the fuck is a K-shaped, bro? What is that? It, 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 look, here's English, right? The rich got richer, the poor got poor. That's what happened. Uh, and it's really – yeah, it just comes down to education. Like, like that's the problem is the top 50% of Americans know – that they're devaluing the dollar and you got to get out a cash and you got to have investable assets. So invest your money. Like it's not rocket science, right? If you invest, no, you're bro, not holding cash. Bro, I'm old as fuck. Okay. You have to understand, I used to be a drug dealer. You know, I was on the streets. I was doing different shit. Like, bro, cash has always been king. And it just took till very recently, you know, and people tell me this like 10, 15 years ago, oh, bro, cash ain't shit. Da, da, da. I'm like, no, listen, fuck you. But being a real, you know, homeowner, being a real estate owner, owning other things. And I've never really got deep into stocks, but, you know, I've invested in other things that you can invest in a business and not necessarily be in stocks and just, you know, things go right. You know, um, I handed the guy 50K, you know, eight years ago. And I was like, bro, look, I've never, really never seen this again. And I didn't talk to the guy for three fucking years. Then I ran into him, bro. And he thought, I thought he thought I was going to kill him. I was like, bro, look, dude, you know, homie. It is what it is. You're one of the very few people, bro. I haven't seen like, just hit me up, bro. Like, if you got issues, and dog comes over, writes me a check for a million dollars, and I was like, bro, don't please don't. I'm not gonna cash this, bro. It's not gonna come on. You know how stupid I'm gonna look if I deposit this, bro. If I deposit a check for one and it bounces, he's like, bro, dog, don't trip on me. My company just sold for a shitload of money. Dog, that's what I owe you. And I waited like four or five months, and then I finally saw him. Like, wait a second, dude. 
what the fuck? Anyways. But this is important, right? What, what you're talking about here is really important because I, I always tell folks that, you know, if you're the average citizen in the United States, uh, that means that you got a 50-50 shot whether you're an inv- uh, invested in assets or not. So the bottom 50% hold no investable assets. The top 50% do. And so the reason why that's a really, really important line to kind of draw through society is, is an education gap. If we tell the bottom 50%, hey, man, if you just hold cash in your bank account and you have no investments, they keep devaluing the purchasing power. Literally, every dollar that you have is going to buy less and less goods and services over time. So the only way to make sure that doesn't happen is you got to invest. you got to grow your money. You okay. can get your salary, but you're not going to get rich off your salary. you got to go invest. But now listen Once to people this. figure that out, then, then they're ready to rock and roll. In USA, yes. Now, one of my relatives... He kept using this Korean, like actually Korean bank ATM card, a debit card. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, bro, what, like, what's up with you, bro? You fucking, what is, what is this card, dog? And he goes, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, bro, why are you using that card? He goes, because it's free. I'm like, it's not free, dog. You use it. He's like, no, bro, I have a million dollars in my, um, you know, Korea is different. And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, I have a million dollars, you know, in my CD in Korea. Our, our investments are different. So on a regular bank, you know, I'm at 10% interest right now. And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, dude, I'm getting over eight G's a month. You know, so I'm just, I just spend it on my, you know, I don't even spend that kind of money on my, but so, cause he bought me some jeans that were like a thousand dollars. We were eating dinner, boom. And I'm like, well, he goes, bro, this is just interest. I'm just, I'm like, what? And you know, Korean banks run different. It's just, and it just made me want, but at the same time, you can't just go to Korea and fucking, you know, put money in there. But it was just something that I didn't understand and I didn't know, you know, and, and it took so long for me to finally know. But again, like you said, you know, uh, well, we'll get into this right now. Let's before we start like the actual interview, I just need to ask a very important question, bro. All right. Okay. Are you still wearing a mask while you drive by yourself? <laughs> All right. So here's the story. So I wake up every morning, and when I wake up, I basically, I, I literally in the shower, I, I think of myself. I'm like, man, good morning to everyone except. And I just come up with like just dumb shit people do. I said, you know, uh, good Christ. morning to everyone who pours the milk in the bowl before they pour the cereal. You know, good morning to the people. Does who anyone wear do masks. that? Be real. Nobody does that. Bro, look at the comments. Look oh at the comments. These people were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, man, that's soup. That's not cereal. That's soup. <laughs> so look, they, at, at the end of the day, I just come up with all these stupid things. And I literally in New York, I saw a bunch of people. Now, the, the one thing I'll say is maybe they're Uber drivers. So they just got it on. They got to keep it on as part of the job, whatever. But you know, then I went to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, and I saw a bunch of people driving around by themselves in the car with their masks on. I'm like, listen, the virus is real. You got to, you know, take care of yourself, whatever. But it ain't going to get you in your car by yourself. You, no, you can take it off for there. Now, if you're in the toilet in a public bathroom, I totally understand that. I get it. <laughs> but like someone said, was like, hey, dick fuck, you idiot. You fucking, you know, people just like, they start saying shit. Like, you didn't happen to see my son's in the car, right? And his friend's in the car too. Oh, you have to wear with your son? I'm like, you didn't hear the last part? There's another kid in the car. It's got nothing to do with me. It's just... You know, like, and I have other people. Sometimes people don't see it. Anyways, let's get fucking rocking, bro. Okay. All right, let's so go. When did you become a Bitcoin expert? Like, honestly, I'm not a Bitcoin expert. Look, I, I understand a lot of it, but I'm still learning every day. Fuck you. I, I no, for real. Here's the whole thing, right? Is it's one of these things where uh, Bitcoin is uh, this beautiful thing that the more you learn about it. The more you realize that you got to learn, but also at the same time, the more convicted you become that it's the future in terms of uh, kind of our society. And so 
Uh, for me, it was in um, really 2016, at the end of 2016, uh, and it was through all the mining stuff. So it was like running the networks and, and earning Bitcoin for running the Bitcoin network. That's how I got started. You got in, hold on, you got in Bitcoin around 16? Well, we started mining, but again, like I, I didn't have like really high conviction. So it's not like I went and put a bunch of money into it, right? I think I put like $50,000 in. And I was like, all right, this is interesting. Like, let's see what happens here. I bought $50,000 worth of these uh, mining equipment. And then I started to see it and it was paying me. It's kind of like what you're saying, like there's cash flow. Every day I could look at this dashboard and there's more and more um, you know, uh, stuff showing up. And so I was like, damn, okay, I, I should probably start spend some time learning about this. Uh, and then the price started to run in 2017. I started paying more attention, more attention. And eventually I was like, man, this is going to be a whole new decentralized digital financial system. And the people who understand it the best are going to have a significant advantage. And so I, for the last three years, man, I just said, look, I know this is going to be a thing. I got super high conviction and I'm going to uh, spend all my time working on it. And, you know, now the price is moving up a lot and all this stuff's happening. Everyone's like, oh, my God, you know, you were right or whatever. I'm like, this is just the fun part for all the hard work over the last you know, couple of years. So hold on. OK, so you got in roughly at what? what when 16, what was it at? The price was all over the place. Like, I don't know, let's call it between 16 and 17. Like that transition was around like $1,000. And then in 17, it went from 1000 to uh, it went to 20000 at the top. Then it fell from 20000 at the end of 2017 to uh, like 3500 3200 in December of 2018. And that's when uh, I, I think I really kind of made the big move. So I had put just a, you know, a little bit of money in, whatever I was learning. And then in uh, December of 2018, uh, when it dropped, I took 50% of my net worth and I put it in um, and I held it. And then as it ran up through 2019 and then in uh, 2020, when they started printing all this money uh, from the Federal Reserve, I went from about 50% to uh, to over 90% and then I just held it. And, yeah, here we are. Okay, so do you remember what year was it when it peaked at like 15, the first time ever? Was that 15? Was that 16? No, 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 no. It, it peaked uh, – 2011 or 2012 there was one bull market then it crashed like 80 85 percent then there was another one in let's see it would have been uh like 2013 right so i think there was one in like 2011 then there was one in like 2013 when or so it, when did it when did it hit like 15 and then it like just literally plummeted back to like eight yeah so, so that was uh in the end of 2017 it went from ten thousand dollars to twenty thousand dollars in 18 days and then in December of 2017, it started to fall uh, through the back half of uh, December, and it fell all the way from the beginning of 2018, January 2018. It was probably I don't know sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars. It fell that whole year all the way to thirty two hundred dollars was the bottom in uh, December of 2018. Okay, so let me break this down. This is how it all started with me. About eight, nine years ago, this kid comes into our store. He's 19 years old. He's never really had any money before, but he's been a fan of mine. You know, a lot of Korean, a lot of, a lot of young kids. I have really young demographics sometimes. And he just always looked up to me, walked into the store, and he said he inherited $125,000. And I said, hey, man, you know, I'm going to be real with you. That's not really a lot of money. He goes, oh, don't worry about it. You know, I'm okay. And he's like, uh, I'm investing in cryptocurrency. And I was like, oh, God. I, like, barely heard about it. I was like, bro, you got to be careful, man. I don't even know you, you know, but you're Korean. Be smart, you know. So uh, this was maybe around 11, 2011, 12. So he had 50,000 coins right? And uh, paid, what, a few dollars a coin? And um, we made a Bitcoin chain. And that's the first time we made a Bitcoin chain. I remember the Winklevoss brothers saw that 
because I have friends who are like mutual friends with them, boom. I didn't know what their role was exactly. I still don't know. But they saw that that was cool, boom. And then next thing you know, Forbes magazine and Fortune and stuff does a story on us because we we're the first online store to accept Bitcoin on Shopify as a jewelry store. I love it. So, you know, the kid, he he uh, invested whatever. I don't know very much. Maybe he invested 30, 40,000. I don't remember exactly. Oh, no. He probably invested like 50 or 60 grand. My cousin, and this is my story why I want you to understand where it's coming from. My cousin asked me to buy some gold. Now, we have to buy gold every single day. We weren't buying gold, you know, uh, bullions. We're buying raw gold for spot because I'm making chains, right? I have to buy raw gold to make jewelry every day. So he's like, no, dude, let's get some coins. Let's get this. Let's... And I was like, nah, man, I'm cool. He goes, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm just asking you to invest 300 grand. You know, gold at the time was like $530 an ounce. And he's like, bro, trust me, man. He's like, it's just sitting there. And guess what's going to happen in five years? It's still going to be sitting there because you're a dumb fuck. And he goes, you know, just, and he's telling me, and I'm like, listen, hey, how about go fuck yourself? Now, I didn't invest in it. That cash was sitting somewhere and it was just actual cash. So my cousin was able to get out for like, you know, a mil. So he made like 600,000. So I was like, okay, boom. So he invests 400 coins, okay? He got in right at around 100, 150 bucks, maybe a coin max, right? So I'm like, you know what, dude, I'm gonna buy 10 coins. And he goes, what are you gonna do with 10 coins, bro? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, bro, I'm, not, I'm good. I'm chilling. So it peaks at that year in 17. He got about $250,000 for his coins, right? I forgot how much, somewhere around there. Or yeah, he got around 250 grand. I forgot how many coins he had, but he got 250 grand and... I'm not bullshit you, not at. I promise you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bullshit you. He is my 50-50 business partner in IF & Co. We have built the biggest custom jewelry company in the world. For the last few weeks, he's been in a state of depression. And I think it's, you know, quarantine, having kids, being a dad. And we finally sat down on Saturday. You know, I'm trying to be careful because of what's going on, especially in LA. And he finally just said it. He goes, hey, bro. That was like fucking $22 million, bro. And I was like, what's 20, 22? What are you talking about, bro? What do you mean? He goes, bro, I, I could have had that. And I was like, well, I mean, who gives a fuck? He goes, no, dude. Like, that's why he was depressed because it was that much money. You know, it was enough for him to retire off of. And he goes, you know, this is all I have. You have a bunch of other businesses. And um, that's when I knew um, when he was complaining about it. Right when I did your show, which was almost a year ago, I thought about it. I was like, you know what, dude? I had had 30 coins at the time. And so when people were paying me with certain things, it was something that comes up sometimes. Like, hey, can I pay you in Bitcoin? Boom, whatever. I was like, yeah, cool. So I just started stacking and I only paid attention to you. Didn't pay attention to my partner. Didn't pay attention to my cousin. Didn't pay attention to anybody else. I just paid attention to you. And I don't have a shit ton, but I mean, bro, you made me. I mean, you didn't make, but you know what I'm saying? You, I mean, you helped me make a shit ton of money. So uh, I want to say thank you again, you know? Well, I'm glad I, I'm glad I didn't know you was listening to me, or I might have said something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so currently, if, I mean, I don't know if that's the etiquette's wrong, but I mean, how many coins do you have now, or is that, or do you just have? I read something where you invested eighty percent of your net worth into it, or something, or. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I got enough, right? <laughs> is the way that I think about it, and and I think that part of this is just the, here's the most important thing I ever did when it came to Bitcoin is I started to denominate everything in Bitcoin. So like if somebody says to you, hey man, you know, how much is that car? Right? What do you think? You're like, oh, that car is $30,000, $100,000, whatever. 
When I think of how much is that car, I think of how much is it in Bitcoin. So, okay, right now that car is one Bitcoin or that car is 3.2 Bitcoin, right? And, And I think of it that way because it basically is a way for me to say, hey, I have a belief that Bitcoin is going to end up being, you know, materially more in U.S. dollar value than it is today. Now, we can get into why that is, but because I have that belief, I found that I didn't want to spend as much money. Right. Because I say, hey, that means I got to spend this Bitcoin in order to uh, get that item. Do I really want that item? And so when I changed from denominating everything in dollars to denominating everything in Bitcoin, it just became a game of accumulation. It was just how do I get as much Bitcoin as possible and how do I not spend, uh, you know, kind of Bitcoin or, or dollars so that I can buy more Bitcoin. And that was probably the best decision I ever made. And I think a lot of people are starting to make that, uh, you know, kind of that switch. That's fucking amazing, bro. Like I look at like how you said that I used to look at things as a gold chain or I look at it as a Rolex. I'm like, bro, like I'm not going to buy that. That's fucking three fucking presidents right there. That's three Rolex presidents. Like, and I used to think of things randomly like that, not necessarily dollars, but I did use a different type of currency in my own brain. So it's genius that you said that. Yeah, because here's the other thing, right? Is is when then when you look at it, you say, all right, today, you know, one Bitcoin we're recording this is like thirty five thousand dollars, right? It was ten thousand dollars, you know, six months ago or whatever it was, right? So it's gone materially up right now, and a lot of people are like, damn, I, you know, I had bought it at ten thousand, it's worth thirty five thousand. If I sell it, I got a bunch of dollars, right? But I, I'm young, right? I'm thirty two, and so I, I've got this really, really long time horizon when I think about it. And so I'm looking at it and saying, Bitcoin is ten times better than gold from a technology standpoint. Yeah. And so if Bitcoin's market cap only two x is gold, that's all it's got to do. It's just be two times bigger than gold. And a digital gold is bigger than the analog or the physical gold. I think everyone kind of agrees that yeah, of course the digital product's gonna be bigger. And so two x bigger means that each Bitcoin is worth like a million bucks. Now, that might not happen for 10 years or 15 years, right? So, so you've got to have a long time uh, horizon. But still, if you are, do you want to be the guy who is like, damn, I bought that car for $35,000, and 10 years from now, you're talking to your kid, and your kid's like, hey, dad, you, know, uh, you ever heard of this Bitcoin thing? You're like, yeah, I spent one Bitcoin on a car that was worth $35,000. Now Bitcoin's trading at a million bucks. Bro, a million? Come on, dog. And for real, for real? Seriously, Pomp? Listen, I think that uh, Bitcoin um, is going to eclipse the gold market cap. So right now it's at uh, about $700 billion. Gold's at, let's call it, you know, 9 to 10 trillion. I think that Bitcoin is bigger than gold by the end of this decade, right? So that puts us um, at over a trillion dollar, or I'm sorry, over $10 trillion uh, in Bitcoin market cap, which will put the price at least at half a million dollars, right? And so if you, if you look at the way that this thing grows, I, I personally believe we're all underestimating this. Because like, again, go back. If Bitcoin is actually 10 times better and the market cap actually 10Xs, right? Think about this for a second. And the market cap 10Xs gold, that'd be a $100 trillion market cap, which is 10 times gold's $10 trillion market cap. And at $100 trillion, every single Bitcoin is worth about $5 million. So hold like, on. Like you start talking about these numbers. It's crazy. Let me but, break this but down that's to what you I'm though. talking about. You're talking about digital gold and you're talking about regular gold as well. Just gold total, okay? Look, we're not going to get into conspiracies of things, but you're, you're a lot younger. But do you remember who Imelda Marcos is? I do not. Okay. So Imelda Marcos was the wife of Marcos, who was the dictator of the Philippines in the 80s. Okay. He had died. Boom. 
there was always a joke. It, if you ask your mom or anybody, be like, oh, do you have a lot of shoes? Like Amelda Marcos, boom, like any socialite, doesn't matter who it is. She showed her shoes on, I don't know if it was 2020 or Barbara Walters, whatever. And she had like maybe 3,000 pairs, like an 83. Like to have 3,000 pairs now is still a shitload for Kylie Jenner or somebody. But this was back in the day. So three or four years ago, she decided, hey, listen, the government has changed so many times. They hate us. You know, like I don't want the Philippines, my own motherland country, to hate me anymore. You know, so what I'm going to do is before I die, I have, she declared she has 400 million in gold. 400 million. The thing is, no one knew about this. So I don't know if that shorts the market or anything, but there's like a couple people like that. Like if she was to give her gold or turn it in, bro, like, do you know what I'm saying? Because people don't exactly know how much gold really exists in the world. You know, there's, it's just a weird thing. Whereas on with Bitcoin, you know, because you were talking about, you know, the market cap, I'm just saying. Listen, it is absolutely true that uh, there are families around the world. A lot of people in the United States don't understand this, right? So you've got a perspective that a lot of Americans don't have, which is historically, you know, take Indian families, for example. They literally store their wealth in precious metals and they pass it down from generation to generation. And they do that because they know that it holds the purchasing power, right? And Americans, especially people who have kind of really come into money over the last 50 years or so, what they've done is they've just been put into this dollar-based system and the bottom 50% try to pass cash to each other and it gets devalued away. But what do the richest families in America do? They don't really pass gold as much. You know, It's not a cultural thing, but it's real estate. They pass real estate. Every rich person in the world has got real estate in the United States. And they're all passing it down to each other. And so it's the same exact mechanism. The difference here, though, is that those are all analog products, meaning that they are in physical form. I can't pick up the house and move it, right? It's a big-ass house that's worth a lot of money and it sits there. And I can't also move a bunch of gold, $400 million of gold. I can't just pick it up and take it with me on, the, on an airplane. Bro, you could even but pick up a million big, in gold. You could even carry that, yeah. I know. Of course. And so all of a sudden, this product comes along that's digital, that's superior from a use case standpoint in terms of I can send it to anyone in the world immediately. I don't need permission from anybody. And I'm willing to bet your audience, that's the part that they love the most, is this is a product that serves as money that doesn't rely on getting permission from anybody. The banks don't need to say yes. The government doesn't need to say yes. Nobody. (laughs) The people want to use it. They can use it. So that's and that's my, the beauty of it. So that's my next question, right? So how mad is the government because they can't control it? I'm just like I, from your perspective. Look, there's some people in the government that are mad and there's some people who like it, right? I mean, it's like anything in politics, any topic, there's people on all sides of it. But what I think that uh, is the most important for people who are trying to learn about Bitcoin is that there's a global game theory at play. So if the United States uh, wanted to shut it down, they can't stop it. It's a decentralized system. So it, you know the tech companies right now are under all this heat. They call up Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey or whoever, and they say, "Hey, come in front of Congress. You know, if you don't do what we say, we're going to break you up, or we're going to put you in jail, or shut down your servers, or whatever." It, they, it's a centralized company, and the government can go after them. With Bitcoin, they can't do that. They can't call anybody in front of Congress. They can't you know arrest anybody. They can't shut down. Uh, the entire system. What they could do is they could say, hey, in the United States, if you're holding Bitcoin, it's illegal. You got to go to jail. They could say that. But what is going to happen around the rest of the world is all these other people, China, Russia, Iran, all these people. Oh, shit. The U.S. don't want to use that as money. We'll use it as money because it'll get us off the U.S. dollar. Like, thank you, United States. Appreciate it. 
and we're going to go use this new system. And so the game theory keeps everyone from banning it and just says, look, the United States, in my opinion, is eventually going to put Bitcoin in the uh, central bank. They're literally going to put alongside gold and all the other assets, they're going to put some Bitcoin. And that's okay. And so you don't need the dollar to fail for Bitcoin to succeed. You just need coexistence, right? There will be digital dollars and there will be Bitcoin and they're all digital currencies. They just serve different purposes. I mean, was this really made for hackers originally? You think that? Do you believe that? Is that really what it, what it was? No, I, I don't think so much that it was made for hackers as much as uh, it was definitely made um, for two reasons. So one is it was made to solve the problems in the financial system, right, which is essentially that uh, the banks and especially the central banks exist in this heavily manipulated intervention driven world, right? We saw it earlier uh, in 2020. Coronavirus hit. The first thing that happened is the government said, we're going to mandate shutdowns. And then the Federal Reserve and elected officials stepped in and said, we're going to put interest rates at zero and we are going to print trillions of dollars. And they did it. And they just pumped it into the economy. But what they didn't tell everyone is that's a tax. When the government did that, they taxed the bottom 50%. They made dollars worth less. And they said to the people who are holding assets, they said, hey, we're going to make your assets go up in price. So stocks went up, gold went up, Bitcoin went up, all this stuff went up, but the people holding cash got hurt. And so when you live in a world where there's intervention, now with this Bitcoin system, now all of a sudden we don't need to have that intervention because Bitcoin doesn't have uh, an ability to intervene. You can't make more of it. You can't control it. And so that's really why it was created. And then on top of it, from a technical standpoint, it solved this problem. It's called a double spend problem. But basically, you know, a bunch of nerds got together and they said, hey, you know, we're smart. There's this problem that we can't solve. And I say nerds in like the most lovable way because it's way yeah, smarter than me. I get right? it. I get it. <laughs> and, and, and they basically came on and they said, all right, there's this problem where let's say uh, in the music industry, I got the, you know, the latest Drake song and you want it. You say, yo, Pomp, send me the Drake song. I hit send on the computer. The computer creates a copy of the music file and sends you a file, and I still have a file. I can listen to the song. You can listen to the song. We're both happy because we can listen to the same song. Uh, I didn't have to give you my explicit file. right? I got mine. You got yours now. Right. The problem is if money is a computer file, if I can just hit send and it creates a duplicate and you don't know whether you got the original or the counterfeit, then, it, then there's no point in money. Right? I can just make as much of it as I want. So what you had to do is prevent that. That's called the double spend problem. How do I prevent Pomp from spending that money twice? And so what basically they did is they created this blockchain. It's a whole technical system that essentially means when you know when Ben says, "Yo, send me a Bitcoin," and I send you a Bitcoin, you know you got the original Bitcoin, and I can't go spend it. I can't you know have a copy or a counterfeit. Like you got the original, right? And that that kind of unleashed this whole ability to really digitize money. Okay, so like. You're talking about banks and shit, right? And, you know, uh, I remember I read this, like, in real time, but uh, J.P. Morgan's uh, CEO, that, that Jamie dude, he, yeah, called Jamie he called Bitcoin a fraud, right? Like, three years ago or four years ago. Like, what does he think now? <laughs> just saying, do you know, is, is he is he changed his mind because of this, or is he still just hating? Look, Jamie Dimon's got two jobs, make money and make sure he communicates with his customers, right? And so uh, two, three years ago, he didn't think he could make money on Bitcoin. He thought it was going to go away, and he knew his customers were asking about it. And the popular thing at the time to say, because it was a super contrarian idea, was to say, hey, this is you know uh, a bubble. This is a tulip mania. This is for criminals. All the things he said. Now, over the last two or three years, it's gone from a contrarian trade to a consensus trade on Wall Street. Now he can't say that 
because Paul Tudor Jones, Stanley Druckenmiller, Goldman Sachs, Guggenheim, like all these dudes are all saying, hey, my institution's in. We're, we're in. This is real. You know, th- this is serious. And so now Jamie Dimon can't say, hey, it's a bubble, it's whatever, because the customers now want to actually get exposure to Bitcoin. But what Jamie Dimon can do now, now Jamie Dimon can make money on it. So he, he basically went from I can't make money and I got to say bad things to now I got to say good things, but I can make money on it. So Jamie Dimon is going to be just fine. And by the way, we should, we should welcome him. We should educate him and tell him, yes, you're right. You can make money on this. Here's how you make money. Because what it's going to do is it's only going to further proliferate the adoption of the currency. And eventually, every bank's going to hold Bitcoin. Every central bank's going to hold uh, Bitcoin. Every individual's going to hold Bitcoin. I don't know what the timeline is. Maybe it's two years, 10 years, whatever. But eventually, they're all going to be playing this game. So let, come on. Let, we open arms for all of them. That's fine. I don't care what you said in the past. Just come on. Just come buy the nice. Bitcoin. Let's go. I, I like that attitude. So honestly, so you don't think there's not going to be a bubble. It's not going to burst, whatever. But I mean, no, no, no. the historical context is important, right? It went from literally this, uh, one Bitcoin used to be pennies, like three cents, four cents, right? And it went all the way up and now it's at $40,000. And people are like, oh my God, that's amazing. But along the way, it went down 80 plus percent three different times. So there's absolutely a lot of volatility, right? In 2017, it went up 20x in a single year. But during that year, I think it was five different times, it crashed more than 30%. So in a year where it went up 20x, right, it went from 1,000 to 20,000, it's still five separate times during the year, it went down 30%. So what I always tell people is, it's just super volatile. You can't think you're going to trade this thing, just dollar cost average in, you know, accumulate Bitcoin, hold it on the side, have a long-term perspective, and don't look at the day-to-day price or you're going to go crazy. Right. I mean, last week when it hit 40 in like an hour later or two hours later, it went down to 35, right? Or 32 or something. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm Absolutely. just, just kind of like, yo, dude, I've never been a long-term dude. I'm like, listen, man, what's going to happen in five minutes? Fuck tomorrow. Fuck everything. I want to live for now. I'm being serious. You know, and I'm an older dude. I really, because of kids, I really do think long-term game. I've been definitely better at it. But do you see, I mean, could it go to $5,000 a coin? You think that's, I mean, I know it's possible, but I'm saying, do you, is it likely you think? So the, the way I think about price is nobody knows where it's going short term, right? What I think of is more kind of medium term. So in 2019, I started writing publicly about, hey, I think that Bitcoin is going to have this having, uh, where, where, you know, this kind of supply shock to the system uh, sometime in you know, the first half of 2020. That happened. And I said, and when that happens, I think we're going to see a lot of manipulation in the, in the regular economy through the Federal Reserve. That happened. And I said, and those two things are going to be rocket fuel for Bitcoin. And in 2019, I said, I think it's going to hit $100,000 before the end of 2021. We're tracking pretty nicely to that. But whether we hit it or not, again, I, I just keep telling people that if you dollar cost average, you will be okay. So let me give you a wild stat. If you started to buy Bitcoin in December 2017, if you bought it at $20,000, and you made one purchase, and then you just held that. You would have had to hold it all the way until the end of 2020. So literally from 2017 to 18, 19, 20, three years. But if during that same time you had started buying in December 20, uh, 2017, and every week just bought the same amount, even though it went down 80 plus percent and stayed down there for three years, you would have been up like – 50% or something by the time it came back to the same price. Right. 
because it's just dollar cost averaging, right? You would have bought a bunch of Bitcoin down at 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 10,000, 12,000, $14,000. And so you, by dollar cost averaging, it basically insulates you. You don't have to worry about the price. You just, hey, every week I'm gonna buy you know 20 bucks. All right, cool, I'm gonna do it every Monday, 8 a.m. Bang, 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 bang. And you just keep doing it every single week and stay disciplined. And by dollar cost averaging, you just drastically increase the likelihood that you are immune or insulated from those, you know, drastic uh, kind of volatile drawdowns. Okay, so like, ex do me a favor, man. Explain to these people, like, I didn't even know this. You know, I'm a weirdo. I didn't know this. Like, I'm thinking you go, you could buy one-tenth of a coin, right? Or one-hundredth of a coin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could buy $5. So one Bitcoin's worth, let's say, $35,000 today. But basically, uh, you know, most people think of it like a stock share. So, okay, how much is the stock? Oh, Amazon stock is, you know, whatever, $1,000. So I got to have $1,000 to buy it. If I don't have $1,000, I can't buy the stock. Well, when Robinhood came around, Robinhood started to provide fractional shares. So Robinhood said, yo, if you have $5, you could buy $5 worth of Amazon stock. That's why all the young people went and they love Robinhood and they, they do that. Well, Bitcoin was built in a similar way where one coin is worth $35,000, but you can literally buy $5. Now, it's not fractional shares like a, like a stock, right? It's actually you actually own the Bitcoin. Um, but that Bitcoin is uh, goes out – there's 100 million fractions in every coin. Right. So the way to think about it is, you know, it's uh, I don't know eight decimal places, I think, right? Uh, so it's one point, and then there's eight zeros, and those eight zeros get you to a hundred million uh, fractions, but they're called satoshis. That's that's the unit of measurement. So literally, you could say to somebody, "Yo, I'll send you ten thousand satoshis, or I'll send you fifty thousand satoshis," and you know, I, I don't know what it is at today's price. Maybe that's twenty bucks, right, or, or whatever it's equivalent to. So you don't have to be able to buy a thirty-five thousand dollars single Bitcoin, right? You could buy the, the fractions. You just go in and think, "Okay, I got twenty dollars to buy. Cool, buy twenty dollars worth of Bitcoin today." And that's what I want you guys to understand. And that's such an important thing because. Everyone tells me, well, I'm not going to get in now. I can't buy it. 35000 Motherfucker, no one said you had to. And I wanted him to explain that to you because that's a big deal. You know, you can buy, if you have 5000 buy $5,000 worth. You know what I mean? I got in again in August. Was it? No, July. When I tweeted you again, I was like, yo, bro, I'm buying some more. And I was at 9000 something. You know, and I said, fuck it. I was like, damn. So I was like, fuck, I don't want to buy. And I could have bought fractions, whatever. But you know me, I'm not going to do that. But um, real quick, explain the having to these people. Like when that happened? Yeah, so uh, think of it as um, there's 21 million Bitcoin total. That, that's the most there will ever be. They're not making more of it, right? It's even better than land. 21 million ever. And the person or group that created Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto, said, all right, I'm going to take all the Bitcoin. And basically, I'm going to create a system where it programmatically, right? So automatically, is going to put more and more Bitcoin out of that 21 million into the hands of the market, like the circulating supply. So it said, we're going to start every 10 minutes, we're going to put 50 Bitcoins into the market. And we're going to do that every 10 minutes for four years. And after four years, we're going to go from 50 Bitcoin every 10 minutes, we're going to cut it in half. We're going to go to 25 Bitcoin every 10 minutes. And so it did that for another four years. And then after four years of 25 Bitcoin every 10 minutes, it then cut in half and went to 12.5, did that for four years. And then in May 2020, it just cut from 12.5 to 6.25 Bitcoin per day, right? Or I'm sorry, per 10 minutes. So the way to think about it is like there was 1,800 Bitcoin per day 
that were being newly introduced into the market. And then in May 2020, that dropped from 1,800 to 900 Bitcoin per day. And so all that does is it just, again, it's a supply shock, meaning that there was way more Bitcoin before per day. Now there's only 50% of that Bitcoin. And so if demand continues to rise and the supply is actually capped on the total supply and has a decreasing uh, circulating supply, the U.S. dollar price has to go up to accommodate everyone, right? It's just supply-demand economics. If you only got three chains and there's 20 buyers – the price is going up yeah, of course. compared to if you only got three, three and, buyers. And that's what's right? going on with me right now because I'm not doing – I used to make 25, 30 chains a year. I'm making like four or five now. So, you know, the people are kind of willing to bid. You know, I'll bid each other, whatever it is, you know. Completely agree. So you keep talking about Satoshi, which obviously I know. But, but uh, I want to go back to the Winklevoss bros, like, you know, the guys from Facebook and stuff. Like, what's their role exactly in Bitcoin? Look, they they uh, they don't get enough credit, man. They, both Cameron and Tyler, uh, you know, they had the, uh, the whole thing with Facebook. And uh, they actually heard about Bitcoin when they were partying in Ibiza. Uh, this guy, Charlie Shrem, told them about it. And uh, they started looking at it. They became really interested. They learned a ton about it. And so they took, you know, give or take about $10 million. I think it was back in like 2011 or 2012. Uh, and they bought uh, 210,000 Bitcoin. So 1% of all the available Bitcoin. And they basically, you know, secured it real securely. And they've held it. And so just that alone, 210,000 Bitcoin, like they're both billionaires off of just that purchase alone. And then they built an entire uh, crypto exchange called Gemini. Um, it's one of the like better regulated, you know, kind of above board, uh, super secure uh, exchanges. They've been really involved in a lot of the other coins that have been created um, wait, in terms wait, wait of either second, investing bro. or holding it. That's 8.4 billion, bro. You're telling me the Winklevoss brothers are worth 8.4 bill now? Oh, they're worth way more than that. I bet you that Cameron and Tyler, I don't know for sure. Like, you know, I talked to them and stuff, but uh, I, I have no clue. Um, but that's just the first purchase they ever made at 210,000 Bitcoin is worth $8.4 billion. So plus if you include their ownership of Gemini, plus you include uh, kind of all of the uh, the other stuff they own, it wouldn't surprise me if those two guys are worth $10 billion each. So $20 billion total. God damn. Yeah. I mean, oh, look, you, look, everyone laughs, right? They're like, oh, Cameron and Tyler. Guys from the social network, those are the Facebook dudes, right? Nah, man, these are these dudes are going to go down as some of the best investors in the world. Like they literally took ten million dollars and they've turned it into eight point four billion dollars. Just that one investment. I know. Show me anybody who's even come close, right? No, nobody. So what's up with Elon Musk's new crypto? What's that shit called? He does he have? Oh, he's uh, playing around with Dogecoin. Yeah, Doge. What, what's up with that thing? I think it just barely hit a dollar, right? Yeah, that's a complete meme. Some guy created that like years ago, joking around. That's why he's got like a dog as the mascot. He was just screwing around on the internet trying to be funny. And uh, then, of course, you know, like all the guys on Reddit and stuff were like, oh, let's use the meme coin. Let's use Dogecoin. Oh, uh, and, okay. they start, and they started joking around with it. And so, you know, Elon likes the memes. Elon likes to joke around. So he basically was like, yo, I'm the CEO. Uh, he said, I'm the former CEO of Dogecoin. <laughs> and of course, you know, those guys loved it. <laughs> They're like, yo, we got a billionaire who now is like in on the meme. And so that's what he's always people talking don't, but about. But people, people don't know that's a joke, though. They think that's it's because I heard some people talking about it this weekend in Malibu. They're like, hey, man, he lost. They think it's thing. dead serious. Yeah, yeah they fucking... think it's dead serious. But he's, jo he's joking. <laughs> so what about like Ethereum and Litecoin and shit and everything? Are those doing good or? Yeah, I, I mean, look, when Bitcoin goes up, everything else goes up, right? It, it's usually how it works. And so whether it's, um, you know, Ethereum and, and kind of all these other things, 
I personally only hold Bitcoin. Like that, that that's, that's my thing. That's I, me too, I feel yeah. like yeah, I feel like that's my circle of competence. I understand it. I've done a lot of work on it. I've got a high conviction in it. There's other people who feel like the other stuff, they got, you know, high conviction. A lot of people speculating. They're basically buying it like penny stocks, right? They're like, oh, I, you know, I heard this one that said 20 cents is going to 30 cents. I'm gonna buy that one. Whatever. But like I always tell folks that you gotta understand who you are. Are you an investor? Are you a trader or are you a gambler, right? And each, each one of those three people have different risk tolerances and also they have different uh, profiles of the return they're trying to capture. And so if you're a gambler, sure, go buy the things that's you know, 20 cents that you think is going to $2. I don't know. But by the way, you know, th- there's no difference between gambling on that or going and playing blackjack, right? If you're an investor – well, you better have a thesis. You better really understand. You better be able to elaborate. You better be able to have a conversation with somebody who disagrees with you and defend your idea. Like that's much harder to do on some of these, you know, other things. With Bitcoin, it's pretty well understood. There's a lot of smart people who have scrutinized it. It's kind of passed the test of time and and the intellectual war, if you will. And so, you know, I, I tend to think that one's going to be the king for a long time. So, what other investments are you into besides crypto? Like, I mean, is there anything else? You I mean you seem like you're pretty heavy into that. Is there anything else? that you've invested in that you, what you would suggest? Yeah. I mean, I've invested over a hundred million dollars into early stage companies, all early stage technology companies. And so, um, you know, that's across all kinds of different sectors. A lot of it is invested into, uh, companies in the Bitcoin and crypto space. So exchanges and, you know, kind of like infrastructure type companies that are helping build the ecosystem. Um, but I've also invested in things outside of it. Um, you know, things people probably heard on here are, uh, imperfect foods used to be called imperfect produce. Uh, they basically take ugly fruit from the farm and they sell it to you in a box. Uh, and now they do like online grocery. Um, and then a company called Everlywell. Uh, they do like uh, online, like kind of like Amazon for uh, healthcare, right? Basically, you go on, you can buy at home diagnostic testing and stuff like that. So pretty much I only do two things. I do Bitcoin and then I do early stage venture capital type investing. And that's it. I don't know public stocks. You know, I don't screw around none of that stuff. I got a little bit of real estate and that's it. So give me like, okay, so for my listeners, for the BTB army, right? Can you give them like, what's a starter pack for them? Like how, what's the best way for them to start buying crypto, right? Or start buying Bitcoin, you know, like what would be the easiest way for them to access that? So if they got to do one thing, uh, my biggest suggestion would be they should uh, go and they should open up a BlockFi account. BlockFi is a, uh, a company I've invested in, a lot of money. I sit on the board and uh, these guys basically built an ability to buy Bitcoin. Uh, you can sit it in an account. It pays you interest. I think they pay like 4 or 5% interest on your Bitcoin. They pay you in Bitcoin um, every month. And uh, it's secure. They use the Winklevoss's custody stuff. Um, so it's super secure. And so to me, that's the easiest way. It's just you go, you get a, a BlockFi account, you buy some Bitcoin, you sit in that interest-bearing account. They pay you interest every month in Bitcoin. And you just watch it compound. And then you just dollar cost average in, buy more and more, you know, whatever periodic point you, uh, you think is best. And guys, that's www.blockfi.com. Yeah, slash pomp. If they go, if they go blockfi.com slash pomp, I think they get some, I don't know what it is, some, something free or, or whatever. Maybe you you get a line. mask. You can wear it in the car by yourself. <laughs> I'll play with you. I, I don't know what it is, but that's the, uh, that's the one they always tell me to send the people to. Blockfi.com slash pomp. Let me ask you a question totally outside of all this shit. Are you going to take the vaccine? <laughs> Somebody recently asked me on their show the same question. Here's my view is I don't think we have enough information yet uh, for somebody like me 
to do it. Like it feels like there's a lot of people who are way more important than me that need it immediately. Like for me, it's like, like we should immediately optimize for old people to take it, for sick people to take it, for healthcare workers to take it. Like I'm like the last person on the list that they should be rushing to give it to. Right. And it's not because I don't want it or I want it or none of that even matters. It's just like, if you stack rank importance, I'm literally at the bottom, a 32 year old healthy dude who like, you know, basically stays away from everybody as much as I can. Like, I'm oh, I, like get la- I get it. I get I'm it. I'm the last dude to, to take this. And so this whole thing about like, uh, you know, hey, who's going to take the vaccine? I'm like, man, y'all should just tell people if you're over the age of 60, we're getting you the vaccine first. If you're sick, we're getting you the vaccine. If you go into the COVID ward, you're getting the vaccine first. Like, you know, it, it's not rocket science. Let's take care of these people. No, for sure. It was just a question I wanted to ask. That's it. Uh, so, yo, the last question I ask every single guest that comes on the show is, is there anything you want to ask me? What's the craziest thing you've ever done with money? Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> you know, I talked about this one time. It was just fucking embarrassing, man. It was just, but, but it was just, I mean, craziest, like, just like fucking it off. You mean just like. Yeah, it's just like you look back and you're like, man, that was absolutely insane. I can't believe I did that. We were just driving down. Like, I don't know how well you know streets, but there's like one street. Uh, it's called La Cienega, and it's like La Cienega goes all the way from LAX and uh, even goes farther. But it goes from La Cienega, it goes all the way to Sunset Boulevard. And if you drive a little bit south of Beverly Hills, you'll start to see some car dealerships. And these car dealerships are like, they sell high mileage Range Rovers, high mileage S-classes, and like, you know, older. You're never going to have anything immediate current year. You might have the current model, but like, you know, like the shape. But like they'll sell like a 60,000 mile Benz or like, you know, Range Rover. So you can just kind of look cool in LA. You know, it's the whole image bullshit. So me and my best friend, Jonas Bavakwa, rest in peace. One of the smartest guys I know, one of the, one of the craziest, savviest business dudes. We were driving down and we just said, yo, man, you want to do some stupid shit? <laughs> and so we bought a fucking Range Rover. It had like 100,000 miles on it, bro. Right. And we just filled it up with fucking uh, ones and fives, man. Filled it the whole fucking thing. It, was, it wasn't even, really to tell you the truth, it took like, I forgot how many, and we fucking set the car on fire. It was really <laughs> stupid. It was really irresponsible. It was really lame. But it was just, that was the craziest thing I did. You know what I mean? We just set it on fire. And, the thing <laughs> is, and it had money in it? We filled it up with $1 bills, pretty much. And then we set it on fire. And the thing is, back then, it was like, you know, we had BlackBerry cameras. And it was like not even 360 pixels. It was really fucking bad. But we just, we videotaped the shit and then it got really fucking bad. So I had one of my boys who has a body shop like, yo, bro, I need you to go over here real quick, please, and take this car and just fucking get it the fuck out of there. And he goes, you guys have a fire extinguisher? I was like, no, we don't. And he goes, bro, you're going to get arrested. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I don't know, bro, just please, please. And like um, he had went over there and took care of it before the, the fire department came because it was like in a random ass area by like the airport. <laughs> just fucking just did bro. it, dude. I've heard a lot of crazy stories. That might be one of the craziest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, bro, we didn't even own the car 30 minutes. We drove straight down to like an open area and just fucking just like, boom, like, yo, to some jackass <laughs> shit. We were just, we were, I was doing, I was, I was drinking fucking lean or the cough syrup shit. I was just being stupid. I was being just ridiculous. But, um, pump man, seriously, I have to be honest with you. As far as a business podcast, one, I don't tune in all the time. I tune in as much as I can. I have to say, in layman's terms, like breaking it down to a five-year-old, this is probably one of the most articulate business shows, episodes that I've had on my show. Like, I really appreciate you coming on. This was really helpful for, especially right now, people want to, you know, they want to know. They're curious. They're hungry. Like, where do I put our money? Like, 
don't buy some fucking Jordans. Don't buy a Gucci belt. Your fucking stimulus. Like, go, bro. You know, like, if you can sit on something, because if you're going to throw weight on some shoes, buy some Bitcoin. <laughs> hey, we're going to change your name from uh, Ben Baller to uh, Ben Bitcoin. <laughs> I mean, you said the thing the other day, and I can't believe I never thought of that term. But I remember, like, Ben Baller did the blockchain. When you said that, I was like, oh, shit, Ben Baller did the blockchain. <laughs> fucking amazing dude. nah man listen i appreciate the opportunity to come on here uh i'm a big fan of the show so i i appreciate it and uh, we'll definitely have to do it again thank you so much pomp i really appreciate you bro and man you're welcome any fucking time yo miles man uh throw on some lakey lake real quick and we're gonna go to a break Y'all, I'm not gonna lie to you, yo. Um, it feels good to get the Instagram back, but it also was cool not having it. But I'm really like, I'm just so like, I'm how many fucking stupid people <laughs> that follow me? Like, I love sports. I love obviously my Lakers more than anything, right? I like the Seahawks. I, I like the Dodgers, right? The Lakers are obviously the number one thing that are important to me. Just right now, I'm not focused on. I'm not locked in on them. I'm watching the games, but I'm not paying attention super deep, right? But like people are like, yo, we know uh, you disabled my Instagram account. And I think about it like, yo, do you guys realize how big last year was too? And the fact that it was us and the Niners, our rivals, our true rival. And it was a home game. And like people are like, yeah, but uh, you did disable the comments. But no, I didn't. There's fucking 2,150 comments on that picture. And I've never, ever disabled the comments. What the fuck are you talking about? Then we went to the first round and lost against the Packers. And I flew there. The fuck are you guys? You guys are crazy. You'd be like, oh, of course you bring up money. Who wouldn't bring up money? No matter how successful or rich I am. Yo, listen, man. Losing money ain't cool, especially when it's something pretty chill. You, like, that makes no sense. How many, you ask yourself, how many of you, no matter how much you loved your team, okay, would delete your page, okay, over a game when you had shit to promote and you had $60,000 on the line. All right, just, you guys think about that for one second. We're going to get into some new shit anyways. The Tiger Woods documentary is out. Um, episode one is out. And yo, that shit was deep. Like, I've always been a Tiger Woods fan. He's a couple years younger than me. I remember when this shit was happening. There was a TV show called That's Incredible. It's one of my favorite shows. I think it was on ABC. And it was a show that showcased people that were just talented, whether it be music, anything else. And they fucking, I remember Tiger Woods being on that. That's incredible. When he was like three or four years old and this motherfucker was golfing, you know, and I was like six or something or seven, you know, super talented. Obviously he turned out to be huge. But I remember when he was in college, I remember when he was doing his thing and then, and then he went to the pros and, you know, things were great. My mom is obviously, you know, huge golf fan. My um, stepdad, rest in peace, Leo, he uh, was a big golfer. Um, my mom's goddaughter is Sari Pak, uh, the first Korean to ever be in the PGA Hall of Fame. Not the LPGA, but the fucking PGA Hall of Fame. Yes, she's right there next to Jack Nicholas. So, you know, um, my mom was obsessed with Tiger Woods. And uh, my um, sister-in-law, she totally hated Tiger Woods. She loved him to death, like obsessed with Tiger. But then when she found out that he uh, cheated on his wife, she like hated him, like to this. And I get it, you know, women should be like, but it's like, Yo, man, I, I'm a different type of dude, you know? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a fucking scumbag, right? Like, 
I almost liked Tiger 50 times more when he got caught, you know, of course, you know, it just was, that's just a toxic way I am. But, you know, this documentary really kind of went deep into um, a little bit of his psyche, you know, really, uh, I can't believe there was that much videotape on him as a young kid. And his dad, hear his dad talk about him and everything. And I didn't know his dad was a Green Beret and was really like in the shit, you know, like shooting motherfuckers and, you know, uh, detonating bombs and all kinds of crazy shit, jumping out of planes and stuff. But his dad was the original scumbag, right? And I don't want to ruin the doc for you. I mean, if you guys don't know anything about Tiger, but, you know, um, it hasn't got to the part yet where he gets crazy. But, you know, um, another thing too is the reason why I fuck with Tiger so heavy is because he's from Southern California, right? He's from literally, I mean, it's technically OC now. It kind of wasn't really considered OC then, I guess. I don't know. But, you know, he grew up right there in Orange County, you know, and it's kind of a trip because this girl I dated, her cousin was a, as, well, I'm sorry, so he's a pro. And Koreans love golf, you know, and he's a pro. And his little brother is also really, really good. And um, the course they played at was Navy. And the crazy thing is, I didn't know until I watched the documentary that you couldn't play at the Navy course unless you were part of the military or affiliated somehow with the military. And that was Tiger's home course. And, uh, you know, he actually was super close with the golf pro at Navy and they were lifelong friends or whatever. And I'm excited to see the new episode. Um, episode two drops on Sunday. I think it's a two-part episode. So it gets, but it was fucking amazing just watching his life and everything. And hasn't got to the part where he's fucking porn stars and all the crazy shit. And you know he wasn't slick. You know what I'm saying? The motherfucker called it. I forgot what that porn star chick's name was. But he's like, yo, hey, uh, it's me, Tiger. And I'm like, fuck, bro. Like, how are you just so unslick? But anyways, man, um, I don't know much about what happened after just seeing the memes and shit. I hope I hope he's good. I hope his kids are good. And, you know, the crazy part is in the world of MJ, Shaq, and all the shit that was going on, this is LeBron's probably still young. Tiger was the he was going to be the first sports billionaire. He was gonna be the first billionaire in sports. And then that shit happened and fucked everything up. Anyways, check out that documentary. There's nothing else I can think of that I've been watching. That's pretty much it. This Saturday. I am dropping my Jackie Robinson autos. I got a special treat. Three of the cards are special cards. It's going to be randomized, right? Because people can't just buy one. You know, they, it's random. He wore number 42. You obviously should know that's my number 42. So there's one of 42 Jackie Robinson cards doing a very special price for the Jackie Robinson autos. We're doing $300, the lowest price ever. The lowest price autos we've ever done, 42. And, uh, we obviously got a one of five. Going to drop the price on that crazy as well. And we're doing all the Jackie Robinsons in Blue Autos. This is a lot of people's favorite card of the entire set. So make sure you are around Saturday morning, probably 9, 10 a.m., somewhere around there. Don't know. I'll be off the grid. Hopefully I have service. Jackie Robinson Autos drop on BBDTC.com. It's been kind of quiet, right? It's been a few weeks since we had anything, but that's going to be a lit drop speaking of tops tops has a huge announcement that's going on this weekend make sure you stay tuned or locked into the you know their social media it's big announcement with tops um on to the nba uh Kyrie irving it decided he wanted to get out for, uh, he took a break personal leave for mental health or some shit and um you know a lot of times when people say that shit is bullshit I remember when I had a lot of problems when I was a kid and I would say, so oh, I need to, to do that. At the same time, like maybe I did, but at the same time, like you could toughen that shit out. 
You can work that shit out. A lot of people don't want to work it out. They don't want to talk to nobody. Some people do. Some people want to focus on that. I'm not saying that mental problems aren't real. They fucking are. I was one of the first people to have anxiety issues and everything else. I'm just saying people could be high functioning. It's like autism. People who are high on the spectrum. There's people who are high functioning. There's people who are low on the spectrum. There's people who have Asperger's. There's all different type of things. With mental health, it's the same. All I'm saying is people have abused that privilege. And I feel bad for the people who really can't even fucking come up with a sentence. This guy is gifted beyond belief. And he's out just fucking around. And I'm not saying okay, it's your sister's birthday, but it's like, yo, man, you're still not getting like what's going on with the rules and what's going on with, with the NBA and, and the games and what's at stake. And, you know, you want to go party at your favorite club in Jersey. It's like, all right, man, like, the fuck you doing, bro? I just knew he was a weirdo when he was dating Kalani and like they went through that shit and he's just always been weird. There's never been, look, look, a thousand people can't be wrong, right? And when everyone says you're an asshole, you're an asshole. No matter what, oh man, people don't know me. Shut the fuck up. You could change, motherfucker. You can redirect all that shit. You could say, oh, I don't give a fuck. No, you give a fuck, right? When you're a dick, you're a dick. People want to say I'm a dick. I, I'm never going to argue with them, all right? That's cool. I don't do it on purpose. It's naturally me. Right now, when it comes to him, everyone said he's kooky, kind of off. Something thinks he's bigger than the NBA, thinks he's bigger than the league. I don't know. I never really was a Kyrie fan. I don't really care. Kind of feel bad for my boy Durant, but crazy shit yesterday. James Harden got traded to the Nets. And, you know, the first person to say something was Boogie Cousins. Let me tell you something, man. Boogie used to be a beast. I'll tell you that. He was fucking crazy. That motherfucker was averaging 40 nights a game one week and smash him up for boom. And then he got his fucking Achilles hurt. And yo, dude is trash. May sound fucked up or whatever. Bro, you in the league, you could be judged. Fuck Boogie Cousins. He's a bitch. That motherfucker ain't doing shit. I got into it with him at a game one time saying, oh, I wasn't, you know what? I was looking forward to playing with John Wall. Motherfucker, no, you weren't, bitch. Shut the fuck up. You sound stupid as fuck saying that. And people are like, oh, I agree. It's like so funny in the background. I'm not saying because you disagree with me or people in general. I don't know who would disagree with me and listen to the show or the casual listeners. It just sounds so fucking funny when you got one of the best dudes in the NBA, maybe top five, and you went to the team to go play with someone else. And John Wall's a beast too. I'm just saying, come on, man. You know, you go into a fucking party and, you know, like you're lit. And there's fucking Kim Kardashian and fucking Emily Ratajkowski. And then there's like um, fucking uh, Kristen Wiig. And you go into the party and like they're all single. You guys are all, you know, you guys are ready to mingle and everything. And you're like, well, shit, man, fuck him. Fuck Emily. You know what I'm saying? I came here to fuck Kristen Wiig. Man, bitch, shut the fuck up. No, you didn't. Fuck out of here. Anyways, everyone thought he was going to the fucking Sixers or whatever. Or some people did. They're like, nah, they ain't going to go there. They ain't going to just got too much to trade or whatever. Look, man. I think they gave up, whatever, nothing too crazy. But the Kyrie situation, man, like, he's just fucking crazy. So I think Harden and, and KD are going to be a problem. I think they're going to win the East. They're going to they're gonna crush it. I just think Kyrie's just too unpredictable, too unreliable. But had he gone to the Sixers, I, I just don't think it would have been. I mean, even with the fucking situation with Kyrie being fucked up, I don't think it was a big fit. And uh, I guess whatever, Ben Simmons was worried because he was like, oh, well, you know, he thinks that he can get a chip at Philadelphia. Bro, let me tell you something, man. Philly's not getting no chip with that team right there, period. I said it. They're not going to get no chip. And I don't want to talk about the NBA yet until this fucking Super Bowl is over. So I'm done with the NBA talk. Lakers are fucking 7-0 on the road right now. 
crushing shit. LeBron is playing nasty as fuck. It's crazy. When I say nasty, I mean like he's playing good, right? I'm not going to say anything else good about him so you motherfuckers get excited that I'm talking good about LeBron. But last thing about the NBA, my friend Taylor Rooks, um, famous sports, would you say commentator, sports, I don't know. She posted an NBA Jam arcade machine. This was one of my favorite arcade games of all times next to Galaga and fucking Donkey Kong and um, Street Fighter and a few other games, Ms. Pac-Man. But NBA Jam was something that like, that defined me from like 92 to like 95. My boy Nick Adler, one of my best friends, he had that game in his house overlooking the Malibu beach. It was just crazy. We played so much. So I DM'd her. I was like, yo, what's up? Where'd you get this? And she's like, man, I got this as a gift from Adidas, but it's called One Up. And I didn't even know because I couldn't tell. But One Up is like, you know, the new arcade machine systems. They're making all your favorite classics and they're putting like three or four games in one and it's fucking super inexpensive, right? Supreme just did one collaboration with One Up and they did um, Mortal Kombat. So I got the Street Fighter one, right? So I was like, oh shit. Went to Amazon, immediately seen it, $550, but done. Like the real machines cost a grip. They're a couple of G's from mint condition. So I was like, fuck this. I'm getting this motherfucker. So that was my only true real birthday present to my, myself. Uh, I know I got a Porsche and an RV and whatever else. And fuck my SF90 is supposed to be here any day now. But I was super hyped to get that thing. So anyways, on to the NFL and on to our NFL picks for this weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this part of the episode is brought to you by my bookie.ag the only website you should use when placing bets make sure you use promo code benballer all right guys yo that's it it's really crunch time right here before we get into the nfc and afc championships wild card weekend fuck me up but we went four and two don't forget that we went four and two and that Seahawks was like a little fucking kind of a little jinx reversal bullshit thing that I think I did. But anyways, no locks this weekend, guys. No locks, okay? The teams that I like to win, so that means money line, whatever you guys want to bet, people straight up, whatever. I don't know how you guys are betting, whether it be Vegas, offshore, I don't give a fuck. The teams I like to win, I think the Packers will beat the Rams. I don't think I know they will. This will be a bigger upset to me then the fucking Rams losing to the fucking Jets, okay? That think they're going to smother them. I think they're going to fucking obliterate the fucking Rams, all right? I like the Bills to beat the Ravens. Tell you the truth, man, this is a fucking tough one. I don't know. This is a crazy fucking game with both of them. I think Lamar could go the fuck off. I'm not sure. But, you know, consensus as far as me, Miles, and Jordan go. Bills over the Ravens. Chiefs over the Browns. I don't give a fuck how good Baker's playing, whatever. And I know he got lit the first time they met, blah, blah, whatever. Shut the fuck up. Chiefs are going to beat the Browns, even though I kind of like this little momentum that's going on with them because they're the shitty team for so long. But fuck them. All right. Saints over the Bucks. I actually don't like this, but Miles and Jordan do. I think Tom Brady can pull it off. And I hate Tom. You guys know this. But I'd rather the Bucks also win because fuck the Saints. But anyways... Drew Brees could be his last fucking game. You know, they keep saying that. I don't know. Firepower, uh, the running game that they got. Uh, Kamara's fucking crazy. I don't know, man. I think the Bucs could fight. It's, it's going to be a tough one, all right? But those are the teams I like to win. Now, get your pen out, all right? These are the teams that I like against the spread. Okay, guys? I like the Packers minus seven over the Rams. 
all day long. I'm probably going to lay 10, 15,000 minimum on this game. All right. I like the Bills two and a half over the Ravens. I'm actually might not bet this game, but boom. Okay. I do like the Browns plus 10 on the Chiefs. I know the Chiefs go crazy, but this is a different type of Browns thing with the defense and everything. I do like the Browns plus 10. I'm going to lay a couple racks on this. Now, the Bucks plus three, I love this game, right? People might think different because they think the Saints is whatever. And I know that dude Vegas Dave is like, oh man, the Saints are the, f- shut the fuck up, all right? Buccaneers plus three, love that bet, guys. Those are my choices, my picks, our picks for the NFL games this weekend. And uh, that is it for the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the talk with Pomp. Yo, he is a fucking, I'm telling you right now, that motherfucker looks over hundreds of millions of dollars. So make sure you tune into that that motherfucker's podcast. Uh, go to his Twitter. He's really been active and really helpful and just giving great information on how to buy Bitcoin, why you should get it and everything. So again, Pomp, I really do appreciate you jumping on the show. But that is it, guys. 150 episodes. I am fucking geeked. And this all happens because of DBP. And also shout out to my man, Michael Rapport for inspiring me to start a podcast, all right? And thank you, you listening right there, you guys, BTB Army, Behind the Baller Army, we got to do a fucking giveaway. Fuck this shit. You know what? I had no idea about doing I wasn't even thinking about a fucking giveaway, all right? Fuck it. We're going to give away a gold fridge. I'm not placing it on social media again. Looks like I gave away the money when I gave away uh, $300 cash apps for Christmas. I'm going to give away a Ben Baller gold fridge. That's a fucking expensive item right there. Resale is going to be expensive. That is a crazy item. Okay. You need to email the podcast. And I'm not going to tell you what the podcast is because you guys should know what the email is. Email the podcast and tell me what you're going to use it for. The best fucking answer wins the Ben Baller Gold Mini Fridge. All right, guys. I love you guys. Please keep telling people to subscribe. The show is growing. It goes in spurts. It goes crazy. Then it goes slow. But the positive thing is we always grow. All right. Okay, guys. Enjoy your weekend. Remember, I will not be back for the weekend wrap up. We go to episode 151 next Thursday. All right, y'all. I love you guys, man. God bless. Yo, Lakey Lake. You got some new music for me? No? All right, fuck you, man. (laughs) All right, Lake, yo, take us to the crib, fam. All right, y'all, peace.